Hi, this is Jamie Crawford with Breakthrough Ministries. Thanks for downloading our Wow God podcast. Make sure you subscribe to get our latest podcast. We appreciate your partnership. It helps keep our ministry going. We hope you enjoy our podcast. I would like to welcome you to our Wow God podcast. I have Bishop Bill Terrell from Church on the Hill in Okeen, Oklahoma. Bishop Bill, I just want to welcome you to our podcast today. You're going to be sharing a testimony of miracle money. And so today, I just want you just to share your heart with the people and the listeners today, because I believe it's by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony that lives will be changed through this podcast. So, Bishop Bill, welcome to our Wild God podcast. Oh, it's good to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Um, uh, Such a blessing to be here, Jamie, uh, to talk about the miracles God has done. Um. As I think back about the things he has done in me and my wife and my family's life, I didn't start out wanting to be blessed. I started out wanting to be a giver. Um, I wanted to be able to give things. When I seen people give things away, I I wanted to be a giver. And um, when we started this broadcast, as you were talking to me, it just began to radiate in me. I don't know for who who's th- who this is for, and I'll receive it for myself. But it just it just exploded in my spirit that I'm about to block bless your socks off. Mm. Uh, I'm about to bless your socks off. He says there are obstacles that look big, but I'm bigger than your obstacles. I'm bigger than the stuff you're looking at, and I'm about to bless you. I'm about to bless your socks off. Uh, don't limit yourself. Don't limit yourself by what you see, and don't limit yourself by your obstacles, because the blessings are going to find you in a powerful way uh, to fulfill my plan and also to be a blessing in your life. And so, when when I think about this, uh, the land Shawla and I bought, it was. Uh, you know, my father-in-law had a vision. He had he had gotten sick, and he had been through several battles with cancer. And uh, this time, he they had found lung cancer in him, and uh, and there were some other things. He had just had a quadruple bypass. He had lung cancer, and he wasn't a religious guy. He, I mean, he went to church and he believed in God, but he didn't. He he wasn't one of those religious fanatics, but. After they had diagnosed him the last time and they realized he couldn't be healed, he said he wanted to go home and die. And he, he you know, he didn't want to die in a hospital. So my wife and, and her, his, his wife and her sister took care of him, changed him, changed his diaper. And one night while we were in that room, and um, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but we were in the room, uh, they live in a little brick house on a farm on top of a hill. And he was in his room, and he looked to the west. And as he looked to the west, he was looking past the walls. He was looking at some property directly across the road that separated their farm from another farm. And he said, he, the, his words were, I see a cross on the hill, 
and I see people getting healed of cancer while he was dying of cancer. He says, Chitlins, and when that's when he was saying children, he said, Chitlins, we need to buy that land. We need to buy that land. And uh, a couple of days later, he went on to heaven. Well, a couple of years later, and that was around 2007, I believe somewhere around 2008, the end of 2008, 2009, this land comes up for sale. And it's crazy that I'm talking about this because my uncle passed away today who was a significant component in helping us get this land. But let me go back. The land, a year and a half, maybe two years after my father-in-law died, this land comes up for sale, for auction. And me and my wife, we ran a small business and, 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 and we had equipment and, and we have developed relationships with banks, but we had never bought a farm before. And my wife was adamant about buying this farm when it came up for sale. I had never bought a farm before, so I really didn't know. But now I know God was giving her the vision. A lot of times he would give me the vision, but he was giving her the vision, making her uneasy about it, making her want it. So I said, okay, we went to our banker and said, uh, this farm's coming up for sale. We would like to buy it. And he said, you can buy it, which uh, my eyes got big. I tried not to get look too happy. And then he said, uh, and we said, what is it worth? He said, it's worth whatever you want to pay for it. So me and my wife, the auction was still a couple weeks away. So me and my wife discussed the price to pay for it. All the variables lined up even before this happened for us to be able to have a down payment, be able to do all the things. And, and, and this banker just worked with us. It was like favor. But, but we had been faithful in our little. Uh, the little things we had, paying our bills, doing everything, our business, we had been faithful in that also. And the word of God says, if you, if you stay faithful in the little, God will make you ruler over much. And so uh, me and my wife discussed the price. After we discussed the price, we, we, said, we decided Shala would go to the auction. And I was on a job. I didn't really know how important this was, how a 160-acre farm doesn't come up for sale, especially the one you want very often. I didn't understand that, but God hid it from me. Shala was at the auction, nothing but men there, farmers there, and my uncle David, he was at that auction too. He was looking at some equipment. He's a farmer. He farmed land. He had land. He knew that this opportunity doesn't come very often. And so at that auction, when the time came, my wife started bidding. When it got to the part, the point, to uh, to the price we agreed on, she stopped, got her old flip phone out, and started trying to call me. I was in my skid loader doing something. I couldn't hear the phone. But maybe God caused me not to hear the phone for a reason. I couldn't hear it. My uncle looked at her and looked at her again. And the next time he looked at her, he snatched her paddle and started bidding like crazy. And while he was bidding, he says, you're going to kick yourself if this farm goes for $3,000 more than you want to pay. And he always told me, I had some money on me, so if you needed some help, I could help you. And so 
and the story be told, we got the farm, and we got it for exactly $3,000 more than what we agreed on. We got the farm. We were excited. I couldn't believe it. We rode around. I never bought a farm before. And uh, people asked, what are you going to do? We said, we're going to build a church on it. We're going to build a church on it. And, uh, and so, and I thought, I figured people thought we were crazy. Um, a year or two after this, we decided to start having services. We were attending uh, a church when we weren't preaching at other places, and we were attending other churches. But uh, we felt led to start a church, so we went to our shell pit on this farm and started having services. And then Shala said, it's hot. We need to find a place to rent. So there was an old little donut shop in the town of Okeen that could hold about 35 people, but there wasn't 35 people there, but it could hold 35 people. And we started having services there, one service every Sunday for approximately 10 years straight. We had a Sunday service with sometimes it was just us, anywhere from 10, anywhere from 8 to 25 people. And it was a powerful time. We never got tired of it. We we had Sunday service every day. One day, God told us, put on our heart, it's time to build the church. My thought was we were going to build a, a, a building econ most economical as possible, a square building, uh, simple, that we can put up financially, something that we could afford. Well, one morning... I'm sitting on the floor, Shala's on the couch, and it's like these words came to me, build a round church. And I said, Shala, we need to build a round church. I feel like God telling me we need to build a round church. She said, let's do it. I drew it on paper. I sent it to a friend of mine. He, he designed it a little better. I sent it to a guy who was an engineer but didn't have license. He worked for a company that uh, put up... Uh, prefab metal structures, they uh, prefabbed them uh, for builders, but they didn't have a program for this, but they put something together for this building. And so when we started off, just the outs, I didn't know the building was going to cost what it did. This, this structure was going to cost $800,000, which is a big thing for me, but we know it's not a big thing for God. In, my, in the start, I, I was thinking maybe $200,000, $300,000. You know, some people, when they start off, you have things planned. Okay, it's going to cost this much. It's going to cost this much. We just drew it out and just went step by step. So they told us it was just for it to prefab that structure, it's going to be $96,000. And when we started this building program, we only had $10,000, 10, between ten and twenty, And... It was like money would come in at the right time to do whatever we needed to do. I had somebody give me 20000 and it, it was after when we first started the church. They didn't even attend there. They just seen, heard some, uh, seen some of my messages on Facebook. Uh, I used to write out different scriptures or messages, and, and they don't gave 20000 to us, to our ministry. They said they had been blessed by it. And so um, we started focusing on getting this building design. And we were going step by step. 
We didn't know it was going to be $56,000 for the concrete work or, you know, uh, uh, $56,000 for the, uh, uh, for the plumbing and maybe more or $50,000 for the electrical. Uh, there's a lot of stuff we didn't know the commercial kitchen and the suppression hood being $20,000. I mean, there, this, this round building, we didn't know the price, which is not a big price to some, but for us, it was a big project. And so we didn't have any of those details, but what we realized, God already had the details. This is what I real, I realized more now. God had the details and he was leading us when we didn't even know he was leading us. And there were, there, and you think about the people that supported and prayed for us and the many different people that came to the uh, meetings like uh, uh, Mama Droke, my mother-in-law, Mike and Shonda Ransom. You think about um, Freddie and Pam and just different people, Alice, Peter and, and his family and different people who would come and support. Uh, there wasn't very many of us, but just come Sunday after Sunday, uh, uh, Pastor Evangelist Crawford coming in, filling in for us so many times in that little room. And, you know, we think about all the people who supported Sherla Geis who, and Danny Geis and their grandchildren. But anyway, anyway, let me jump back to, I had a drawing made up of this building. I had a drawing made up. And I remember Sunday after Sunday, I don't know why, but I would say, we're going we're gonna to build. This is what we're going to build. God's going to build it. He's going to pay for it debt-free. You know what? There's nothing wrong with borrowing money, but I just felt like God was going to pay for it debt-free, you know? And so, and we were just showing this drawing, and, 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 and we were just going step by step. Finally, we broke ground with John Cluster, a good friend of mine, a man of faith. He brought his dozers out. We broke ground. We didn't have enough money. We, 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 uh, we were looking for water on the land, and, and we were doing all the things, positioning out the church, and, and we were figuring out where we, where we would come up with a cross, which is another story in itself. And so we're, we're doing all this stuff step by step. But it was amazing. I like to call it miracle money because it was like a money, a certain amount of money was anointed for this season of our life to fulfill this project. Even when people told me, you know, uh, that the fire marshals are tough and there's a lot of people who started a project and didn't finish because of their stipulations. And I said to myself, this isn't going to be us. And when I said, this isn't going to be us. And you know, I had somebody say, you know what? I feel like the Lord want me, wants me to bless you. Bless you and Charlotte, do with it what you want. $50,000. You know, money to, to, we get the foundation. We get uh, Max Davison to do our concrete, uh, who's a great man of God, him and his crew. And, and you know, and then, you know, I have had somebody else call me up. Later on, uh, you know, we were on another part of the church and it was like, uh, you know what? I, the Lord's telling me to give you $150,000. These people don't come to the services. I had a vision of a woman giving me $100,000. And I talked to somebody about it. And this woman and her husband gave us about $135,000.
out of the blue. For somebody to give that kind of money in your hands, you know it has to be God with no holds, no nothing, no, no control, but, but to say, I'm going to give this to you to build this church, to do, build this building for God. And, and, and I remember uh, me and my wife, we had, there was a deal that came up and we received a large sum of money out of the blue and we were able to finish this project and help others too, but we were able to finish, uh, help finish this project with some of the miracle money. That was miracle money. It was ordained by God. There was no reason that that money should have fell in our lap to be able to do what we done. But that money had an appointed time for us, and all we had to do was be in position to uh, to grab hold of it and to fulfill the plan of God. We could have spent it on ourselves. We could have done a lot of things with it. We could have uh, started off building us a house, but we felt like we need to finish the house of God. We need to uh, finish this house God ordained. And so, uh, and then you have other people, 80,000, 120,000 here. You had people like USG who donates 500 ton of rock for our parking lot. And uh, you, you just have, so, and all the workers came together at the right time. And I want to say, we had never built, I've never been a builder, but I believe God anointed me to be able to do, and others that were with me, to be able to finish this, pro, uh, this project with excellence. To be able to finish it and complete it with excellence. And I believe it was done with excellence, and it's not done yet, yet because we have another phase that we're working on. We have other things that we're working on, not for us, but for the glory of God. And all that, I want to tell you, all these, these funds came in at the right time. See, it was appointed for that season. It doesn't mean that God is going to stop blessing. It doesn't mean that money had a name on it, and it was to complete this building. And now the money for the next season has a name on it to fulfill what God wants. You have to understand we're not money hungry. We're God hungry. And when you're God hungry, you know what? The things God will provide, he says he will give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. This is what the word of God says. So he's putting it in our hands for a purpose to do for the will of God. We believe we have something to leave in the body of Christ and on this earth that God wants to, uh, to leave through our ministry, our life. You know, we, we thought, I thought, you know, I had a Sunday service every morning for 10 years straight. Only service we had. Now, God has directed me to do a Monday service. Not that Sundays were bad, but that God is doing something else. When I built this church, I assumed it was going to be a Sunday church because that's the way it's been in the past. I assumed, but the Lord told me it's going to be a Monday church. Not that we won't have other services other nights, but it's going to be a Monday church. A Monday night, we have a Monday night meeting, but we're not going to stop there. The Spirit's flowing all the time. 
Who knows what he's going to do tomorrow? Who knows what he's going to do uh, the next day? But God, the you know you know you know I, I had this vision, and 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 in this vision, the Lord told me to dive down off a ship, and when I dove off the ship, I went to the bottom of the ocean, and I seen all these beautiful treasures. There was large rubies, emeralds, sapphires, and diamonds at the bottom of the ocean. And he told me to grab these treasures and take them up to the top of the boat. And he, and he told me, I'm giving you hidden treasures from the deep. I'm giving you hidden treasures that people have overlooked. And so uh, I believe, I believe that is significant to this next season. Bishop Bill, this is so powerful, what God is speaking in your life. Um, you know, there was so many testimonies that have come out of Church on the Hill in the process of building that building. Um, I know you've shared several of them with me. One of them I remember about your chairs. Yes. How you uh, was able to get your chairs. Would you share that testimony? Man, I'm I'm glad you brought it up, Jamie. I uh I I completely uh I guess this is the point in time for it. Um well I you know, the chairs were gonna be around sixteen thousand dollars. I told one of my friends, I said, uh, you know what, I think I'm gonna have people buy chairs. You know, I was just thinking out loud. Everybody pay a chair. The chairs are worth $50, $60 a piece. You buy a chair. And I started thinking I had my friends buy a chair. And so uh, so one day, we don't have any chairs yet. We don't have enough money at the time to get chairs. And my friend comes out with the old wooden chair out of the 70s or 80s. And I'm thinking, he's sitting in front of the church, asked me if I was around. So uh, I said, yeah, so me and Charlotte come over there. He's sitting in this chair. He said, Bill, you wanted some chairs, right? He said, here's my chair. I'm going to donate. And I was thinking, well, I, what I meant, John, John Haymaker, he's a blessing. I said, what I meant, John, was you can donate the money to buy a new chair with cushions. I didn't, you know, I really didn't mean, and I did it in a nice way, I didn't mean bring an old wooden chair. And so, uh, anyway, we talked, and he said, oh, there's a note in the bottom of the chair. So we get in the bottom of the chair, we open up the letter, it was a $15,000 check. And so that was a $15,000 chair. And uh, that chair is still in my office today, <laughs> might I say that. Uh, let me let me share uh Another instance, I was, uh, I, you know, we, we, it was time for the next phase of the electrician. The building was up. He was needing to do some stuff. And finally, I said, come on, we're ready for you. And my model was to be able to pay everybody right after they were done or give them their percentage up front they needed and pay the rest right after they were done. I didn't have enough to pay that next phase of the electrician. I think I needed maybe 25000 I might have had 10000 You know, you have to see I'm paying stuff as it goes. 
And so uh, I get a lady from a church calls me up and says, are you going to be around your church this morning? I said, we, me, me and my husband, we want to come see you, you know, and they have a church. And so anyway, that morning they meet me at eight o'clock and, uh, and they hand me a check. The check was $15,000. And that $15,000 was almost exactly, if not exactly, the difference we needed to pay the electricians for that next phase. It was, uh, it was a miracle. I had just called him three or four days. They were just getting ready to come the next week. And so uh, many ways that God provided. That's one of many ways. Yes. Yes. Now, Bishop Bill, you shared that um, you have a uh, cross at your church. Right. Uh, you want to share a little bit about your cross, what God has done with this cross around your church? Well, the... The uh, it, this is powerful because Shala's dad seen a cross on a hill. People getting healed of cancer, and, you know. In our property, there's a very high hill. He, my father-in-law, said the highest hill in Kingfisher County. I've never measured, so I don't know, but that's what he said. So, after he went to heaven, and we purchased the land, Shala was like, "Bill, we got to get a cross up. We got to get a cross up." So. And I really never felt motivated to do it. And I said, she said, well, let's put some telephone poles together or something and put a cross up. And, and she was adamant about it. And so uh, anyway, I never got around to it. I never got around to it. Well, this gentleman named Tracy Davidson, I used to do business with. Uh, well, I used to do their, he has an electrical company. And I would buy their scrap copper. They would have scrap copper. I'd buy different stuff off of them, electric motors, and or or uh, be the middleman and sell it for them. Uh, and at this time, we, we hadn't been doing business because we went in a different direction. And I noticed there was a big cross up in Ringwood. And they told me Tracy did it. It was huge. It was 80 foot tall. It had lights. And I said, and I told his wife, I stopped in there one day. I said, I heard Tracy put up that cross. I would like to do it sometime. I'd like to be able to put one up like that. So anyway, Tracy doesn't get a hold to me. I'm preaching messages on Facebook. He sees one of my messages or something. He calls me up and says, I hear you want to put up a cross. He told me how to do it. He had the connections. He helped me with so much. And we put up this cross. I mean, I mean, Tracy, they helped me with their digger truck. They got the pipe donated. It's a $20,000 project. They don't, we paid about 10,000 cash and they had, and they, all the rest was donated like the pipe. Uh, Marsal, they bought their uh, cranes out and didn't ever charge us. But anyway, we were able to put together this huge cross and put it at the very top of our hill with these bright lights shining on it at night, and Charlotte and I still look at it today and say, that's a miracle. How on, my father-in-law wasn't a prophet, but how God used him, and it happened, not at our time, but in God's time, and it's shining bright today. Yes. Wow. You know, you, you share all of these miracles, Bill. Um, maybe there's somebody that's listening right now and they're seeing the title of this, uh, this, this series that we're doing, this, this, this uh, podcast that we're doing, Miracle Money. 
and maybe they're a pastor of a church, maybe they're a, a businessman, and uh, they're just trying to get started in their business or whatever it might be. Uh, what would you say to them right now to encourage them? Because you you was in a season of miracle money yeah. and how it transpired in your, your life. You, inshallah, had to have faith in God and faith in his timing for every season of your life in that time frame of building your church. What would you say to them? What What would you encourage them at this time in their life? Well, uh, man, it goes back to uh, one of my favorite scriptures. Lean not into your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he'll make your pathway straight. When I think about it, I, uh, I think about uh, when I was in prison, and the Lord told me to follow him and to trust him. And, and before Shaul and I were even together, the Lord told Shala to trust him. And before we even knew each other, he gave us the same message uh, that we needed to trust him. And so, and when when God says trust him, it means not trusting in yourself, but trusting in him by faith. Because what God does to you or each individual is his design. It's never been done before. It's never, we may do some of the stuff the same, but it's never been done before. And so everybody who says you can't do it, they don't know because God knows and his ways aren't our ways. So they don't know what God told you. And so, and you don't even know. So sometimes you can't listen to yourself when God has put you on a mission. And you gotta, you gotta trust God and walk it out by faith. And one of the main things don't get stingy. I believe for me, don't get stingy. When you start getting stingy, you quench the Holy Spirit, and the Bible says don't quench the Spirit. You think if you're stingy that you're going to be able to do it. No, no. God wants you to release so he could bring it in. Now, there's some stuff we put back, but you can't get stingy. So Shaul and I didn't get stingy. We would give whatever God told us to give, even if it was our last. And I believe when God directed us to give, he multiplied it on the other end to bring in, to perform it. And I want to tell you this, that your design, what God is doing through you is different. And I want to add this, just like Jacob's vision was different, Joseph's was different, all these, these were all men of God that had something common, but their work was different. But God provided for each of their works. And I talked about you can't be stingy because what you're releasing on this end is multiplied on the other end. And so what you sowed in this season is going to open up finances in the next season to do what God wants because we're vessels. He uses us. So I feel like saying this is somebody, don't get stingy. When God tells you to give, you need to give it. Wherever he says give it, you need to release that. Because when you release it instantly, it's going to start multiplying. It's going to start multiplying to fulfill that vision. Now, God can, God can, you can borrow money. There's nothing wrong with borrowing money. God will build a church that way. But he told us debt-free. 
And I, ca- and I was preaching debt-free, debt-free. I don't know why. But it, he told us debt-free, that building debt-free. And you know what? And we stayed at it, debt-free, debt-free. You know, there's nothing wrong with doing fundraisers or b- bake sale. God never directed us to do a fundraiser. He never directed us to do a bake sale. We would have, but he didn't. He said he had us to wait upon him. And he began to bring it in, and we had sold money, planted money, even long before this. And we didn't know God was going to use that to multiply in this season to finish the work he had debt-free. And so somehow we just had a heart. There's times I came close to borrowing money for the heating and air unit. I came close to borrowing it. And I'm glad we didn't borrow it. I'm glad the things things didn't work out just right because the money came in that next week or a few days later to pay for that heating and air system, cash money. And so so you gotta you can't get nervous. You gotta wait on God. If God has directed you to build it debt, debt free, don't get stingy. Trust him. And sometimes you gotta wait on him. And sometimes when you wait on him, you're on the water. And when you're on the water, you know you get nervous because of what you see in the natural. But you got to keep looking in the spiritual, knowing that God is going to fulfill that promise. Just say, you could do it. Wow. Bishop Bill, this is so powerful. Um, You know, as we close today, I just want you to pray over our listeners. I want Somebody might need miracle money right now. And I, I feel there's a powerful anointing upon this time. Right. And I'm just going to ask you to release that anointing upon our listeners in a prayer. If you would just close us in prayer today, uh, I just pray that God would just multiply, bring multiplication, just like Deuteronomy chapter number 1 and verse 11. As they sow that seed, I believe a thousandfold return will come to them. Amen. And so, Bishop Bill, would you do that for us today? Yes, Father, I pray. The Word of God says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. It all belongs to Him. Who can figure out God's ways or His wonders? They're hard to find out. So God, somebody may be, you, you know what? God may have told you to build a house. For you and your family. Let me tell you what. That miracle money can be for your house. You may have a bus business. You may be building a women's shelter. You may There's no telling what God may build through you. And it all costs finances. But I want to tell you, God is our supplier. So I pray over your life. I pray and I tell you this, grow not weary in well-doing, for in due season you'll reap a harvest if you faint not. Don't get tired, because sometimes in the waiting season we get tired. Sometimes when God is working and he doesn't show us he's working, sometimes we get tired. Sometimes we look at our watch like Mary and Martha and saying, you know what? Jesus is late. He let me down. Lazarus is dead. Sometimes we're looking at all these things. But I want to tell you to fear not. Fear not. Because Jesus knows exactly where where, where to cash your nets. He knows exactly 
where that harvest is. He knows the season you're in. And you know what? One thing I've, I've learned is to be content in all things, whether in abundance, I could be content or whether in need because I'm content in trusting God that he's going to perform what he said he's going to perform at the right time. So I pray over your family. I pray over your home. I pray over your church. I pray over your ministry, whatever you're doing for the Lord. I just pray over it right now in Jesus name for God to bring in everything you need to fulfill the plan that he has for you. Don't get discouraged because a hunter comes in. Because you know what I do when a hundred dollar comes in when I need a hundred thousand? I lift it up to heaven just like Jesus did when he broke bread. I lift it up to heaven and then I said, thank you, Lord. And then I begin to break it. And let me tell you, and then that hundred's going to turn into a hundred thousand. I'm going to give thanks and it's going to multiply. That's why I call it miracle money. That Not because I'm after money, because God pro provides in miraculous ways, praise God. Let me tell you what, he gives seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Let me tell you this, God has, if God has given you seed to put in the ground, you need to put that seed in the ground. You need to put it in seed because as a farmer, that seed is going to multiply spiritually, supernaturally. It's going to multiply. There's going to be a harvest for it. And guess what? That's going to make bread. That's going to make bread for the eater. That's going to make provision to do what you need to do. That's going to make provision. You know what? You, 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 you're out there. You want to build a house. You want to you build this house. You don't know how, how to start building a house. But let me tell you what. You know what? I want to build a house. Lord, how should I build a house? You build it just like you built the church. Lay the foundation first. You didn't have the money to lay the foundation, but lay the foundation first. If you lay the foundation first, guess what? The rest is going to come. If you learned anything by this church, you know lay the foundation first. The foundation has to be first, and the foundation, you don't have everything to do, the, uh, to do everything else. But as you lay that foundation of faith, God says, I'm going to build on it. I'm going to build on that foundation. It's scary because what, you, you think, what if God don't build? What if I'm stuck out here in the sea? What if I'm stuck out here? Let me tell you, God's not a man that he should lie. If he's told you to lay the foundation, he's already counted the cost, and he's going to complete the work. Let me tell you what. Not only will you build houses, how a house, you're going to build houses in Jesus' name. See, see, you can't get so stuck working in the field that you forget to be the businessman I've called you to be. And now it's time for you to put workers out in the field and you to orchestrate on another level. See, you're going to have to let go of the plow and begin to orchestrate in another capacity. You pushed the plow when I told you to push, but now you're going to have to orchestrate in another capacity. Uh, you're going to have to change your thinking and, and the way you see things because in order to go higher, you got to begin to think higher. You got to begin to think bigger. You know what? I performed those miracles at those levels, but let me tell you, you're in another level now. You're in a higher level. You can't want to go back to Egypt. You can't want to go back to the old ways. You got to go higher. That means you're going to orchestrate in a a different capacity. And so now, now that you have a church, let's say you built a church, now God is going to use you to build multiple churches. You know what I'm saying? He's going to, and so you got to see yourself different because you can't see yourself 
just like you've seen yourself in the past. Because if you see yourself as the shepherd boy, you'll never move into the kingship of ruling the kingdom. And so you got to be able to make that transfer to ruling the kingdom. And that means there's going to be bigger bills. There's going to be bigger insurance payments. There's going to be bigger challenges. Things are going to be bigger. Why? Because I'm enlarging your territory. And so you got to think different. You got to use what I did yesterday to elevate your thinking today. Not to stay grounded what you did yesterday. You got to move past that because that had a significance for them. You got to use what I taught you to move to the next level. Because because I'm not done with you yet. I didn't call you just to stay in one spot, into one place. Now I'm moving into a bigger a bigger thing. And might I say, I'm raising you up. I'm raising you up. So don't get stuck on stupid. Praise God. Just begin to glorify God because he's doing a new thing in your life. Old things have passed away and behold, all has become new. God is doing a new thing. Leave your mind room to expand. See, you can be in a room full of haters and those haters can be the imagination no darts that the enemy's throwing at you. Or they could be physical people. You could be in a room full of haters, but guess what? David said he prepared a table in the presence of my enemies. And I believe God's going to prepare a table in the presence of your fears. In the presence of I don't know. In the presence I can't see it. In the presence I don't understand. But he's going to prepare that table, meaning he's going to perform that work even in the midst of your enemies, those I just named, he's going to perform it and do a mighty work in your life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. We hope you will stay connected by subscribing to our podcast and becoming a partner to our ministry. Go to BreakthroughEvangelism.com and follow us on all our social media. We want you to be blessed.